in, influencers should largely still be paid based on the outcome that they achieve. And right. so if you're able to track that, you can then say, well, look, last time I paid this influencer, you know, $5,000, they generated $10,000. I want to do that again. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today my guest is Matt Wool. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing well. Great to be here. It is great. And you know, we had a good a good talk during the uh, what they're calling the crypto crash here right now is what's going on. And this episode should be out in a couple of weeks, so it'll it'll still be fresh in people's minds, I think, when it first comes out. We'll see how that pans out. But I wanted to talk to you about your book, Moving to Outcomes, Why Partnerships Are the Future of Marketing. And I'm huge on partnerships, so I love this idea. But let me ask you, why do you think partnerships are the future of marketing? Uh, that, that is the, the multi-billion dollar question. So the way that we see it, and my company is called Acceleration Partners, and we're in the affiliate marketing, partnership marketing space, which is why this is interesting to us. And there's a lot of history in that world that we can draw on. The reason we see the future of marketing and partnerships is that for many, many years, marketers have had not that many levers to pull. Marketers at companies of all size have been focused on Google. They've been focused on Facebook and Instagram, and they've been focused on a small number of other platforms. And those platforms have allowed them to grow and they've driven really disproportionate amounts of their, of their returns and have taken disproportionate amounts of their budgets. We are not interested in telling people not to work with those platforms, but what has happened over the last number of years is that the prices on those platforms have continued to rise. And if you look at the stats for, for Google and Facebook and similar platforms recently, you know, quarter over quarter, the cost of clicks is increasing, the cost of impressions is increasing. And we're getting to a point now where a lot of marketers are seeing that it's hard to get as good returns out of those channels as they used to. And the analogy that we use is uh, to a stock portfolio or 401k. If you have a 401k, you almost certainly would not have all of your retirement money in, uh, in two stocks. But that is what, what a lot of marketers do. And so from our perspective, partnerships and uh, the channels that are involved with them, again, affiliate influencer and other channels, they give marketers a way to diversify their portfolio, diversify their budget, and work with a, a lot of different kinds of business models where they can see new things, experience new types of, of communication with their potential customers, and find areas where they can generate much higher returns uh, a lot of the time than they can with the platforms they've been working with for the last few years. Sure. So the the you know auction system that you mentioned in your book around you know Google and Facebook ads and stuff. Eventually, you know the people who get in early, right, get get the huge returns for very little money, and then as it ramps up over time because it's an auction system, people keep bidding more and more and more for the same things. Then you get to a point where you just get priced out of the market, right? That said, what types of partnerships are we talking about? And now, is, are these like brand partnerships or are they partnering with maybe a charity or partnering with like an influencer, or, you know, or all the above? 
What kind of partnerships? Good, good question. So when we're talking about these partnerships, we're talking about performance-based partnerships. So we're talking about partnerships that are, they are paid. They are paid in such a way that it is connected in some way to an outcome. That's why the title of the book is Moving to Outcomes. And they're also paid based on data that is transparent and trackable. So again, that, that's a really big difference where with a lot of the existing marketing platforms, the data is a black box, right? The, the price you are getting charged for a click or for an impression is you know, generated by some algorithm and, and you really don't have that much control over it. In a, in a partnership of the type that we're talking about, as the advertiser or the brand, you actually get to say, hey, I'm willing to pay you know, a 10% rev share or $5 per lead or $100 for new customer or whatever it is. You actually get to set that price. And then because of a lot of the technology that's been developed in the space, it can actually be tracked in, in more or less real time. And it's uh, really clear to both sides of the partnership where the value is being created. And, and there's, there's, you know, pretty much full transparency so that both sides can make decisions about their economics in a win-win kind of way. Right. So essentially this is kind of affiliate partnership and you're saying, okay, I want to acquire a customer, sell a product for X dollars. And that goes to whoever the advertiser is or the person facilitating the sale, right? Yeah. It it, it can be an affiliate partnership. It can also though be a, a, you mentioned influencers before, you know, with influencers, a lot of times you're not paying them after a, a transaction, a sale. You're paying them before, you know, a, a, to post or something like that. But in our view, in, influencers should largely still be paid based on the outcome that they achieve. And right. so if you're able to track that, you can then say, well, look, last time I paid this influencer, you know, $5,000, they generated $10,000. I want to do that again. So there's still an outcome that's tied to it in that circumstance. Right. I've seen a lot of work with, you know, influencers and creators and stuff where it's kind of a fee that kind of covers their cost of of content creation or something like that. And then there's, you know, like a per unit fee or something on the back end uh, or a rev share. Right. Um, yeah. There, there are lots of models, right? We call that a hybrid model. There, right. there, there are lots of models like that. Yeah. So what's the most common types of partnerships you see brands doing right now? Well, it it depends on the brand. I mean, if you look at the affiliate channel, they typically fall into a few different categories. So, you know, if you're in e-commerce, the biggest types of partnerships tend to be uh, are often are are kind of in the deal side or the loyalty side. You know, if if you're doing some kind of sale or some kind of discount or some kind of offer, there are, you know, literally millions of partners out there that can generate content uh, around that and want to push it out to their user base. There's, you know, Rakuten Loyalty, which is obviously a massive, massive company that works on a partnership basis. They used to be called Ebates. But then there's lots of, of other kinds of models. So, for example, a lot of the big media companies are now becoming much more partnership based. BuzzFeed, uh, CNN, even the New York Times, they're all working on these models now because they've seen the CPM rates really decline over the past Mm -hmm. number of years. And they're seeing that they can get into this in a really profitable way. So a lot of of companies are looking to to those kinds of folks. And they're also looking to individual creators. While influencers maybe have a, a different model, there are still lots of individual creators that 
do work on, on, on 100% performance. And what they're looking to do is essentially look at their audience and find stuff that's interesting for their audience and, and bring it to them on a performance basis. So the great thing about the channel is that there are, and, and partnerships in general, is that there's maybe not literally infinite, but figuratively infinite partners out there. Mm-hmm. And it's much more about your economics and what you want, and then going out and finding the right people for that. Now that brings up a good point. Is there a, a good way to kind of seek out those those brand partnerships or you know partnerships for you know affiliate or you know I guess any of the partnerships for that matter? Yeah, what it comes down to is frankly elbow grease, right? And and this this is one of the reasons that partnerships is still not as efficient of a market as some of the other ones. So if you think about Google or Facebook again, you know they're auction based. It's a pretty efficient market, right? And and the price really gets cleared by the market. And a lot of that is because it's more or less one sided. You know, it, it goes into an algorithm, and and people are saying, "Hey, I'll pay this or I'll pay that," and so then the price gets cleared. In partnerships, it's it's not nearly as efficient because so much of it is still based on going out and talking to people, right? And even when you're talking about giant companies, again, like a BuzzFeed or a Ebates or a uh, a New York Times, you know, th- they're not algorithms that are running these partnerships. It's it's individuals sitting down and talking about content and campaigns and you know economics and all of those things. So there's still a lot of room to find places where you can achieve really really strong returns because you can take advantage of uh, of those those opportunities. So I think that the biggest thing for people in terms of trying to find partnerships is understand realistically the level of resourcing that you can bring to it and then do it based on that. If you're a small company, you are probably not going to have an affiliate program or an influencer program with hundreds and thousands of partners in them that are going to be productive. Because, you know, if, if it's you and maybe one other person, you're not going to be able to, to, you know, get on calls with all those partners and figure out what needs to happen and provide the assets and do all the different things. So for smaller businesses, we say, you know, maybe find 10 really high quality partnerships that you can really make very productive. And that's a a massive win. If you're a bigger company, then it becomes about, hey, can I get a person full time on on really just, you know, banging phones and reaching out to people? It's old school business development, right? And educating them. So it it really depends on, on who you are. So if you have a smaller company, like a, you know, not enterprise level company, Where's a good place to kind of get started on partnerships? Yep. So a good place to get started on partnerships is to really understand your own strategy and your own economics. Because whenever you go to talk to a partner, you know, making sure that it is a win-win requires that you know what a win is for you and that you also uh, are able to provide something that is attractive enough for the partner that they're going to want to work with you. Right. So that's about saying uh, if you're an e commerce company, right, and you're selling a widget, it's about right. knowing what your average margin is on the widget, what your marketing costs are in other channels, how much you're willing to pay in order to acquire the customer to buy your widget, and, and backing into then, okay, for this widget, you know, for every widget a partner sells, I'm willing to pay them, you know, a 10% rev share. So, so that's kind of the economic side. On the brand side, it's also knowing who your customer is, right? And and knowing what you're willing to be associated with. You know, again, if you're selling your widget to to moms, right? There's going to be one set of 
part of, of partners that is uh, probably going to have the right audience for you. You want to focus on those. If you're selling your widget, you know, to uh, other small business owners, then there's obviously a different set of partners that's going to be appropriate for you. So understanding that is really key. And then beyond that, the next step is is going to be the technology. So in order for these things really to work, you have to have an underlying technology that is tracking everything and making sure that you're seeing, oh, this partner sent me a click and that led to a transaction. There are a number of platforms that do that. Folks like ShareASale or Impact or PartnerStack or CJ or Refersion. Even for small business owners, a lot of them have kind of lighter packages where you can sign up. And essentially what this means is you can drop a little bit of code on your site and then partners can sign up. And then all of a sudden everything is connected and tracked. So that allows you again to have that transparency to make sure that you're seeing what's happening. And so is the partner. Once you have that technology set up, then it's about, again, the resourcing. How am I going to make sure that I am actually nurturing these relationships so that I'm getting something from them? What happens way too often is that a business owner will set up a a program, do all these steps. They will start having partners uh, sign up for the program, but then things get busy and they go three months without actually talking to those partners or educating them about the brand or or the widget or any of those things. And all of a sudden those partners have found something else to do. So you, you got to figure out the resourcing and how you're going to keep those partners engaged with the, with your brand. You know, it's funny. I was just going to ask you, what do you think is the biggest mistake people make? And it sounds like that's the one that people make most often. Is there another common mistake that people make when they're, you know, trying to set up brand partnerships? Yeah, a big one is um, misunderstanding the dynamic between a small business and a large business, right? So again, if we're talking about a, a smaller business who, you know, whose brand is not super well known, if you go to the New York Times, right, it's going to be a very hard sell for you to say, hey, New York Times, I really think you should be writing something about me on uh, on a performance basis as a partner, right? So uh, a lot of times people come into this and they just assume that they're going to get these really large scale partners to work with them just because they're active in the channel. And and that's not really right. So that's why I was saying at the beginning, when you're a smaller business to avoid that mistake, the best thing to do is find some partners that are you know, maybe not quite as large as the New York Times who are really well aligned with you and what you're doing and your brand and your widget and working really closely with them. And then once you get those guys in and productive and doing really well, you can use that as a case study for others and and expand from there. But uh, it is a big mistake that a lot of times brands kind of shoot shoot too high and then they get discouraged when it doesn't work. Yeah, there does seem to be a need for uh, at least an alignment of who the customer base is or an alignment between kind of your mission of your product or your company, you know, the, the whole mission matters idea, right? The mission is huge. And, and there are a lot of examples where actually companies have been able to lean on their mission to create really productive partnerships with partners that may be even theoretically too big for them. So an example we use in the book, you know, uh, we've had a client called ButcherBox for many years. And ButcherBox is a company that sells very high quality grass-fed meat, and they ship it to you frozen, you know, in a box, either on a one-off basis or as a subscription. Now, at this point, they have a pretty rabid following. But in the early days, you know, they were trying to get off the ground and they were really smart. They went to a small group of, of really influential partners who had pretty big audiences. And they said, hey, like, I know you probably don't know who we are yet, but this is what we're doing. This is our mission. We think you're really going to like it. 
and they gave them free subscriptions and that kind of stuff. And, and it really worked. And those partners really formed the core of what gave ButcherBox kind of the liftoff into the next stage of their business. So that mission part is, is really huge. I wanted to touch on something that you said there for a second is that kind of when they were launching off their business, I don't think we've touched on the ability for a business to get scale in their marketing by using affiliate marketing. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it's a it's a really good point. So this is the reason that we are not saying, hey, don't do the other kinds of marketing, right? One of the great things about Google and Facebook and those kinds of platforms is that you can get scale and you can do it quickly because it's about, in a lot of ways, the the amount of money that you're putting in uh, and it happens very quickly. The problem with partnership marketing is that you know the, the double-edged sword of it is that it is relationships and they take time to develop, they take time to nurture, and they, they take time to grow. So these programs can scale but the time horizon is going to be longer. Uh, you know, it's going to take six months to get a program really off the ground. It's going to take a year for it to start to mature. It's going to be, you know, a couple of years before it can really scale. So, you know, a lot of clients and companies that we've worked with, they have gotten these programs to, you know, upwards of 20% of their revenue at a very low average cost. Usually it's one of their lowest average cost channels. The problem is that it just it just takes time. So that's why we advocate for this as part of a marketing mix. But we think that by shifting some of the budget that may be elsewhere, you can get more profitable results over that time in this channel. And we've seen that with a lot of different clients. Sure. So Matt, if somebody wants to get more information about your book, Moving to Outcomes, Why Partnerships Are the Future of Marketing, where's a good place for them to connect with you or to get more information? Yep. So my company is uh, Acceleration Partners. So www.accelerationpartners.com. The book is on Amazon and it seems to also be in a lot of airport bookstores. So if you're taking a flight somewhere, that's a good place to check it out. And yeah, those are the best places to find us. Perfect, Matt. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with everybody today. All right. Thanks a lot. Great to be here. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.